0: part four chapter six of if winter comes by a s m hutchinson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kirk Ziegler. hapgood went on i'm telling you old man that after the coroner had done with him and after this humpo with his viperous forefinger and his retriever tongue and his perspiration streaming down his face and twiny tugging him down by the coat and putting him on the trail afresh after the coroner And after this humple like that had been on to him for a bit, Saber absolutely couldn't speak. He was like he had constriction in his throat. There was nothing he could say but begin all his sentences with, Look here! Look here! And nine times out of ten, incapable of anything to follow it up with. He was distraught, he was speechless, he was clean-crazed. At the very beginning, with the coroner, he wouldn't use the word deceased, insisted on keeping calling her Effie. The coroner kept pulling him up over it, and about the twentieth time he pulled him up hard. Poor chap threw out his arms like he was throwing the word away, and then hammered on the ledge. I won't say deceased. I won't call her the deceased. Vile word. Vile word. Horrible word. Obscene. Beastly. Hateful word. I won't call her it. Why should I call her the deceased? Control yourself, says Buddha. Control yourself. He only waved and thumped again. I won't. I won't why should I call her the deceased? I knew the girl-I was fond of the girl. She was my friend. She was fond of me. I did more for her than anyone in this court-her father or anyone. When she was in trouble, she came to me and I succoured her. She lived in my house. She cooked my meals for me. We went through it together. I've known her for years. I've liked her for years. And now she's dead. And you turn around and tell me to call her the deceased? Effie, Effie, do you hear? Effie. They couldn't stop him. He was like a sick wolf then, cornered, and bootle like a big, wary boarhound, going at him and jumping up on the wall, out of the way when he made his dashes, and then coming down again and going in at him again. But they stopped him when Humpo got at him. They wore him down then. He was like that wolf then, with a rope around his neck, tied to a post, and every time he'd fly out, look here, look here, the rope would catch him and throttle him, and over he'd go, and Humpo in worrying him again. Like this, link on link of the cabin against him, and brick by brick of the wall around him. Like this. What date did the deceased leave your wife's employment? In March. In March last year. Look here. Did she leave of her own wish, or was she dismissed? Look here. Was she dismissed because your wife suspected you of relations with her? Look here. Answer the question. Well, but look here. Answer the question, sir. Look here. Very well, sir. Very well. Answer me this question, then. Is it the fact that your wife has instituted divorce proceedings against you? Look here!" court surging with sensation at this dramatic disclosure, Humpo mopping his face, keeping the great forefinger going, Saber clutching the desk like a man in asthma, twining, tucking at Humpo's coat. "'Yes, yes,' says Humpo, bending down, then launches at Saber again. "'Is it the fact that in these proceedings the deceased woman is named as correspondent?' Look here. "'You keep asking me to look here, sir, but you tell me nothing. I ask you plain questions have you nothing better than look here is it the fact that these papers were served on you at brighton on the occasion of your flight 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 look here is it the fact yes brighton yes but look here flight flight holiday i tell you holiday holiday cries humble do you tell me holiday sir holiday i thank you for that word we will examine it in a moment this was at brighton then the business of the witness whom we have recently seen in the box was to serve the papers on you and on the deceased now come back a little let me ask you to carry your mind back to the summer of nineteen fifteen with his wagging finger and sloshing tongue and mopping his face and throwing back his mane as though it were a cloak from under which he kept rushing in to stab home another knife he takes the unhappy man through all the stuff he had got out of old bright sabers apparently uncalled for interest in the girl first getting her from her father's house to the neighbourhood of his own, then under his own roof, and all the rest of the unholy chain of it. Then he has a chat with Twining, then mops himself dry, then hurls in again. Now, sir, this holiday, this pleasant holiday by the sea, did you make any preparations for it, any little purchases? No, no purchases. Look here. Never mind about look here, sir. No purchases. Did you hear the evidence of the witness? the Alton chemist who declared on oath that you made a purchase in his shop on the very day before you started. A purchase you have admitted? Remembering that, do you still say you made no purchase for your holiday?" "'Nothing to do with it, nothing.' "'Nothing to do with it? Well, sir, we will accept that for a moment. How often do you go shopping in Alton?' The poor beggar shook his head, no voice in his throat. "'Do you shop there once in a month? Once in six months?' Shook again. Are there chemists in the garden-house in tidborough in chovensbury nods are you known in all these places i have mentioned nods are you known in elton shakes are all these places nearer to you than elton nods humpo's finger shoots out about two yards long dashes back his mane with his other hand rushes in from under it then sir will you tell the jury why to make this purchase of oxalic acid on the day before you leave home, why, well, you go to a place in which you are unknown, and to a place farther away than three other senders, one at your very door? Saber sees, like a hit in the face, this new thing that's coming to him, gasps, puts up his hand to that choked throat of his, strangles out, look here! Answer the question, sir, stammers out like a chap croaking, walk, walk, wanted to walk, wanted to get out, wanted to get away from it. Back goes the mane and in again like a flash. Ah, oh, you wanted to get out of it the house with its inmates was becoming unsupportable to you look here i'm giving you your own words sir do you tell us that although you were leaving for a holiday on the very next day even on the afternoon before you felt you must get out of it is that right sir look here very well let's leave it at that sir we seem compelled to leave a great deal but the jury will acquit me of default in the matter let us come to the purpose of this axolic acid nothing to do with your holiday you say With what, then? For what purpose? Long pause, frightful pause, hours. Whole court holding its breath. Pause like a chunk of eternity, silent as that, empty as that. What the devil was he thinking of? Had he forgotten? Was he awake now to the frightful places he'd kept getting into and wondering if this was another, and where exactly it lay? Appalling pause. Dashed woman somewhere in the court goes off into hysterics and dragged out he didn't hear a scream of it that poor baited chap in the box just stood there gray as a raked-out fire face twitching awful i tell you awful nearly went into hysterics myself humpo sloping his tongue around his jaws watching him like a dog watching its dinner being cut up after about two years slaps his tongue and demands come sir for what purpose did you buy this oxalic acid sabre gives his first clear calculated word since he'd got up there i guess he had been pulling himself together to look for a trap he said very slowly trying each word like a chap feeling long thin ice he said effie asked me to get it to clean my straw hat for me for brighton that humpo very gently very quietly like a rescuer pushing out a ladder to the man on the ice the deceased asked you to get it to clean your straw hat for you for brighton and then like a trap being sprung he snapped and threw sabre clean off the balance he was getting then it was obtained for the purpose of your holiday? Look here. All that sea again, d'ye you see? At the end was quicker than nothing. Twining pulls Humpo's coat and points at Saber's hat, a soft hat, on the ledge before him. Humpo nods, delighted. And did she carry out her intention, sir? Did she clean your straw hat for you? Nods. And you don't appear to be wearing it? Shakes. Pray, where, then, is this straw hat to clean which you obtained the exolic acid? Is it at your house? shakes not at your house odd where then look here where then look here answer the question sir where is this straw hat look here gulps look here gulps again look here i lost it in the sea at brighton humble draws in his breath stares at him for two solid minutes without speaking then say like one speaking to a ghost you lost it in the sea at brighton he has an inspiration inspired in hell turns like a flash to the coroner. "'I have done with this witness, sir.' Sits down, plump. Court lets go its breath like four winds around a chimney. Saber staggers out of the box, falls across into his seat. "'Too much for me, old man.' I bawled out. People in front of me nearly jumping out of their skins with a start. I bawled out. "'Mr. Coroner, I saw the witness at Brighton, and he told me he'd lost his hat in the sea.' Buddha, like a talking idol, discovering an infidel in his temple. "'Who are you, sir?' I'm a solicitor. I'm Mr. Saber's solicitor." Buddha to Saber. Have you a solicitor in the court, Saber? No, no, get away. Get out of it. Get away from me. You have no standing in this court, sir," says Buddha. Awful. Nothing to be done. Sorry I'd spoken. After all, telling me about his hat, what did it prove? Nothing. If anything, could easily be twisted into cunning preparation of his plan beforehand. Useless. Futile. Case went on presently twining in the box. Last witness, put up to screw down the lid on Saber's coffin, to polish up the argument before it went to the jury. Stood there with the venom frothing at the corners of his mouth. Stood there a man straight out of the loins of Judas Iscariot. Stood there making his testimony more damning a thousand times by pretending it was being dragged out of him, reluctant to give away his business companion told a positively damning story about meeting Saber at the station on his departure from leave a day after the girl was sacked. Notice how strange his manner was. Noticed he didn't like being asked about circumstances of her dismissal. Noticed his wife hadn't come to see him off. Yes, thought it odd. Saber had explained his wife had a cold, but saw Mrs. Saber in Tidborough very next day. Yes, thought the whole thing funny because he had frequently seen Saber and the girl together during Saber's leave any particular occasion? Well, did it really matter? Must he really answer? Yes, notably in the cloister tea-rooms late one evening. Well, yes. Had thought their behavior odd, secretive. Sabre's position in the office? Well, was it really necessary to go into that? Well, had to admit Sabre was no longer a member of the firm. He had been suspended during intimacy with the deceased, now dismissed consequent upon this grave development. Had he ever had occasion in the past, in earlier days, to remonstrate with Saber concerning attitude towards the girl? Well, scarcely liked to say so, hated to say so, but certainly there had been such occasions. Yes, had spoken seriously to Saber about it. There, ripped across the court as he had said that, Old man, a woman's voice in the back, it's an abominable lie, and you know it's a lie. By Jove, I tell you, I nearly swallowed my back teeth with the effect of the thing. Give you my word, I thought for a minute, it was the girl come to life, and walked in out of her coffin. That voice, high and clear, and fine, and true as an angelus bell, across a harvest field. It's a lie. It's an abominable lie. And you know it's a lie. Eh, terrific? I tell you, terrific isn't the word. It was the Fairfax business at trial of King Charles over again. It absolutely was. Buddha nearly had a fit. Silence! How dare you, madam! Turn out that woman! Who is that?" Commotion. A woman pressed out from the mob behind, and walked up to the court like a goddess—like Portia. By Jove! Like Euphrosyne! Let no one dare to touch me, she said. I am Lady Tybar, and every one knows me here. I've just come in, just heard—this shameful business—all of you killing him between you. She pointed a hand at Twining. And you—I tell you before all this court—and you may take what steps you like. I tell you, you are a liar, an experienced and calculating liar." And she went with that to Old Saber, and stooped over him, and touched him with both her hands, and said, "'Marco! Marco!' You know she'd got that blooming court stiff and cold. The suddenness and the decision and the arrogance of the thing took em all ends up, and had em speechless. She was there by Saber, and stooping over him, mothering him, before Buddha or any of them could have found the wits to say what his own name was, let alone the Iscariot. Matter of fact, Saber was the first one to speak. He threw up his arm from where he had been covering his face. He had just thrown it up when I called out, and swung her hands aside and called out, Don't touch me. Let me alone. Leave me alone. She motioned to the man beside him. And the chap got up, as if her motion had been Circe's, and disappeared, through the roof or somewhere, I don't know. Anyway he vanished. And she took his place and sat down beside Sabre, and poor old Sabre crouched away from her as if he was stung. And old Buddha, reaching out for his dignity, said, "'You may remain there, madam, if you do not interrupt the court.' There wasn't much more to interrupt. Twining had had about as much as he wanted. He'd done what he was out to do, anyway. The case finished. The coroner had a go at the jury. They went out. I suppose they were gone ten minutes, shuffled in again. Gave their verdict. I was watching Saber. He looked down at his hands from his face, and stared with all the world's agony in his face, straining himself forward to hear Verdict. They found suicide while temporarily insane, and added their most severe censure of conduct of the witness Saber. He jumped up and flung his hands out. Look here, look here. Censure? Censure? Sense! He dropped back in his seat like he was shot, twisting himself up, sat rocking. The court cleared in less than no time. Me left in my corner. This lady Tybar. Saber twisted up, Bobby or two. I began to come forward. Saber looks up, looks around, gets his hat, collects his old stick, and starts to hobble out. This lady Tybar gets in front of him, me alongside of her by then. Marco. Marco, that's what she called him. He sort of pushes at her and at me let me alone let me alone get right away from me hobbles away down the room a bobby stops him better go this way sir rough lot of people out there leads him to a side door we followed him up she and i door gave on to a lane running up to the penny green road she tried at him again gently very tenderly marco marco dear would have made your heart squirm i tried at him now then old man swung around on us Let me alone. Get away. Get right away from me." Followed him, the pair of us, up to the main road. She tried again. I tried. He swung around and faced us. Let me alone. Won't anyone let me alone? Get right away from me. Look here. Look here. If you want to do something for me, get right away from me and leave me alone. Leave me alone. Do you hear? Leave me alone hobbled away out towards penny green bobbing alongside his stick as fast as he could go she said to me oh oh and began to cry i said i thought the best thing was to leave him for a bit and that i'd go over or she could or both of us a bit later clear we were only driving him mad by following him now there was a cab came prowling by i gave the chap a pound note and told him to follow sabre get up just alongside and keep there i said he'll likely get in Get him in, and get him up to Crawshaw's Penny Green, and come back to me at the Royal Hotel, and there's another quid for you. Old man, I went along to the Royal with this lady Tybar, told her who I was and what I knew, ordered some tea there, which we didn't touch, and she began to talk to me. Talk to me? I tell you what I thought about that woman while she talked. I thought, leaving out limelight beauty, and classic beauty, and all the beauty you can see in a frame presented as such, leaving that out. "'Because it wasn't there. I thought she was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen.' "'Yes, and I told my wife so. That shows you. You couldn't say where or how it was. You could only say that beauty abode in her face, as the scent in the rose. It's there, and it's quite exquisite. That's all you can say. If she'd been talking to me in the dark, I could have felt that she was beautiful.' "'What did she tell me?' "'She talked about herself and Saber.' "'What did she say?' No, you'll have to let that go, old man. It was more what I read into what she said. I'll keep it, for a bit, anyway. There's else to tell than that. The cabman I got hold of sent in a while after to see me. Said he'd picked up Sabre a mile along and taken him home. Stopped a bit to patch up some harness or something, and all of a heap, as he expressed it. Sabre had come flying out of the house again into the cab, and told him to drive like hell and all hell to the office, to Fortune East and Saber's. Said Saber behaved all the way like as if he was mad, shouting to him to hurry and carry on inside the cab, so the old man was terrified. I said to the office, what the devil now? I ran into Lady Tybar and we hurried round. We were scared for him, I tell you, and we'd reason to be. When we got there, we found him. End of chapter 6 Recording by Kirk Ziegler, Ogden, Utah VoiceOver solutionscom